Well, hello, and whatever this fuckery is podcast. And uh, I am your host, Val. I'll just give you my nickname, Val, for now. (laughs) And uh, I'm here with my beautiful cat, Luna. She's my little baby girl. (laughs) And um, yeah, this is basically going to be my very first podcast episode of whatever this fuckery is. And basically, to start off, uh, this episode is going to be a pretty dark and heavy and uh, deep episode and conversation. Well, I guess not really conversation since I'm mostly just relaying memories and thoughts and feelings of mine. But, uh, so yeah, here and foremost, trigger warnings and content warnings for, uh, suicide and grief. Well, not really grief. I guess mostly just suicide. This is basically just going to be a really big, huge content warning for suicide. So I will just, you know, give it a few seconds before I start in and talk about my, um, my experience and what it's like to lose my mother to suicide and what it's like, uh, to grieve after seven years of losing her. Okay, so, here goes, um, it's definitely been, uh, seven years now since I have lost, uh, my mom to suicide, and it's definitely, well, I mean, of course, obviously it was a shock and, like, completely came out of the blue, uh, But, yeah, I guess I could just relay relay from what I remembered and what I remember of it, of the day, is that I had to work uh, the day, well, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about um, the day my mom killed herself. So, yeah, so, uh, I had to work that day and I, the last time I ever saw my mom, like ever again, was she dropped me off at work and I, uh, I don't actually really remember if whether I say goodbye to her or, uh, I love you to her before getting out of the car and going in for my shift. But so I, this day I worked my shift and back then, um, sorry, I know I'm saying um a lot. It's just kind of my thing, what I do. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I was working. Yeah, sorry. Train of thought. I was working and 
back then at this time, I would usually turn my phone off because this was also my first job. So I was a lot better of an employee who would actually turn my cell phone off until my shift was over with. And uh, so I worked my shift and I remembered uh, finding out that we would have like some fancy, like not really fancy, but it was like some meeting where uh, later that night where we all had to come back to the job and we hear about the new food items. Well, obviously, I worked at Panera Bread, so they would call these, like, the bread meetings or whatever. I can't even remember, to be honest. Bread meetings doesn't sound, doesn't sound right, but we'll go with it. The bread meetings where you, we discuss, like, new food items on the menu or whatever like that, etc. But so, I remember... Uh, finishing my shift, which was like around 2 o'clock p.m., and I turned my phone on, and I saw a text message from my mom, and I still don't really remember this text message that well, but it said um, something on the lungs, along the lines of, I'm sorry, I won't be able to pick you up. Something came up. Uh, please forgive me, dot, dot, dot. And I didn't really think anything of it. So I just, uh, I called my mom and I and it went straight to her voicemail and I left her a voicemail saying how, um, uh, like, yeah, of course, mom. Um, that's totally fine. You, I, it turns out I actually have a meeting here later on at around 8 p.m. So I can, I'll just stay here at work and hang around here until the meeting and then you can come get me later on that day, or that night after the meeting. Uh, so, you know, uh, after that, I basically just got food, ate, and just hung around the, the place until the bread meeting, whatever the thing was. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, started around, like, 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, so after the meeting, I remember that I had my stepdad was the one who ended up picking me up from work and he was telling me how uh my mom that he can't get a hold of my mom or anything and uh my little brother was with my my stepdad which was is his biological father so I was gonna probably get confusing <laughs> my family you know but so my little brother, who is my stepfather's son and my mom's son, that's where the connection is. So he was telling me how they can't get a hold of my mom. She's not answering the phone or anything. And so, uh, which was weird and all. So, uh, my dad, I mean, not my dad, but my stepdad, he dropped me and my little brother off at our apartment where that, uh, where we lived at with my, with my mom at the time, my, uh, stepdad and mom were separated, so he didn't live there with us. And I remember it was just me and my little brother walking into the apartment. Uh, her, it was weird because her car was still in the parking lot. And, uh, when we got, 
my me and my brother got in an apartment. My mom wasn't home at all, but all her belongings were there. Her purse and uh, everything. Everything of hers was there. And I just remembered going over to my laptop and noticed that there was a uh, envelope, like one of those like those yellow envelope thingies. So it's really big, and I don't know what they're called. I don't think they're called the manfold envelope, but I'm gonna just say the manfold envelope because it's like the yellow beigey one, and it's got the little hooky thingies that you put through the hole. But so yeah, yeah whatever. That had that kind of envelope and a card on top, and uh, I don't even know. Or remember whatsoever at all if I read the card. I guess that's not important anyways, but uh there was a suicide note. I remember start starting to read the note. I didn't read f- completely fully all the way through the note. It was uh I rem um I just remembered tearing up and I quickly called 911 crying and <laughs> I was kind of just really because my little brother was asking questions like wait what's what's, what's happening and I was just like move like get out of the way because I, I tend to be a pacer when I'm on the phone talking or just anything in general is going on like stress wise or like oh my god oh my god kind of things, you know? Uh, shit, wait. I'm defaulting my voice a little bit. I need to... I'm not, if I'm going to be doing a podcast, I might as well uh, also practice my voice a little bit there, too. And, like, feminizing more. And I'm not doing a very <laughs> good or well job right now. But... Anyways, back to the story. Oh my god, I just digressed uh, over my stupid voice. The, my voice is not the topic of this episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I called my one, one, one telling them that I think my mom killed herself and how she left her, uh, suicide note behind and an envelope with, uh, life insurance paperwork all in it and how all her stuff was still at home. And, uh, her car was in the parking lot, and, yes, that was pretty much just it, but I just remember being in complete tears, and, uh, waited for the police to show up, and when they showed up, I, I tried everything I could in helping them with, like, finding her and everything. Like, I, I got them the, her, I answered any questions, I, uh, I got, I showed them her laptop, and I tried helping them get into her laptop, like, I tried figuring out her password or getting on there for them, so I, I couldn't figure it out the password and get on there for them to help them just find out anything on there. I remember giving them her cell phone. And I remember telling them that when they asked me if she was on medication or whatever, I was like, I remembered that she took antidepressants and 
So I went into her bedroom and got the bottles and showed them to them. And then I basically was just on, like, just help them as much as I possibly can on finding my mom and stuff. And uh, I would pace a lot when I was outside, which it was funny. The cops would always constantly be like, hey, uh, try not to pace back and forth or and walk around so much because uh, the dogs are tr- can't really, like, you know, track her down or smell her that well. They're, like, pacing around and a lot and, you know, like, uh, confuses the track senses and whatever. So I'd keep trying to remind myself that and I'd keep having, because I'm a pacer and I call people and talk on the phone because uh, the cops, another question they had asked me was, like, if uh, any of her friends or any other family members heard from her. And then I was like, oh, I didn't contact anybody else. I just got home from work and saw this note and started reading it and then just threw it on the couch and called you guys. (laughs) So, right after that, um, I called my mom's best friend, childhood best friend, who also lived in the same city as we, we did at the time. And I told her, asking, hey, have you heard from mom or, you know, seen her or anything? And she would be like, no, I haven't. Why? What's going on? And then I would have to start relaying to her what happened. Um, Relaying about, like, mom's missing all her, her car and all her belongings, our home. Uh, she's missing, uh, she left a suicide note and, and life insurance paperwork and, and I remember like hearing her, like the, the panic and the tearing up in her voice on, uh, then having to, after calling her, I would have, I would hang up after talking to her, I'd have to go and call her other friend and ask if she's heard from her. And having to go through the whole same thing, you know, mom's missing, she left a note, blah, 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 having to hear the panic and uh, the upsetness in her voice. And then from there, I think I called my aunt, I can't even remember whether I called my aunt or not, or if she found out through Facebook somehow. I know some people end up finding out through Facebook or whatever, but I'm pretty sure I think I called my aunt and told her, and then I called some of my friends to let them know uh, what was going on with me just so I could have support and just talk to somebody. And then I finally called my dad, <laughs> telling him what happened, and and yeah, um. Uh, after that, I just remember the next few days, because my mom's body wasn't found right away. It didn't really take the police. It took the police. The police found my mom's body like three days later. So for basically from that night the that I came home to find mom missing her suicide note and then that night and the next day 
and the next day was basically just, I was like, command central, like, I basically, um, was, my phone was constantly ringing from, like, family members and, like, my mom's friends asking for updates, like, have, have you heard from her, um, has, has she shown up, like, what's up, and I would always have to be like, no, nothing, nothing's new, nothing's up yet, I'm and it was like I was command central, like just constantly, constantly, like people like just calling and asking and but I did it, you know? And when I look back at it now, I can definitely feel proud of it because it was definitely the first time in my life I ever took charge of a situation. I've never really been a take charge or type of person or somebody who would take a, a leadership role and in this situation in my life I, I definitely had to you know there wasn't really anybody else to do it I mean my stepfather he was around he mostly just took care of his son his son and trying to comfort him which was good but other than that he was pretty much useless in trying to help uh finding mom and stuff and he didn't really tell any of my mom's, um, family members or friends, you know, uh, so I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for me, they never would have found out. <laughs> He's, my stepfather's a real tool. He's a fucking piece of shit. But anyway, this is, this episode isn't about him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, I remember one, and, well, before I go on about the day that her body was found. Um, I do know this, but I was feeling kind of numb and trying to like prepare myself and ready myself for when I knew they would tell us that she was gone and that they found her body. Because as much as I truly, truly wanted to believe that she was just going to come back and and show up show back up or that she would be fine uh um you know i d- d- just deep down i just knew i knew she was gone because i knew that there was no way that even after leaving behind the envelope of life insurance paperwork and a note and everything there's just you know she 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 was really adamant I'm doing it and she was gonna do it like nobody would actually go out through out of their way through all those steps to uh and even like have their like insurance paperwork out and ready and all prepped and prepared if they weren't actually going to go through with it go through with it so as much as I wanted to to be po- positive and and hope that she was she was alive and she would come back I knew she was gone and that that I was going to get the bad news so I was just kind of like knowing myself and preparing myself for when that would come and of course it did <laughs> I remember uh being at work and uh my mom's best childhood best friend came and picked me up from work. Uh, she said, "Hey, 
detectives have some one of the see us all and talk to us and I knew then what that meant so got home and this was also when my aunts ended up showing up my mom's sisters well of course obviously <laughs> my <laughs> I don't know why I <laughs> did that explanation is probably clearly obvious <laughs> but um yeah so when when I got home and my aunts were there and my mom's best friend uh, my little brother and my stepdad uh, the detective told us that they had found her body in the woods across the street from where our apartment basically was and after they told me that I just kind of like stood there just kind of like really numb didn't really feel anything my stepfather of course overly dramatic and just kind of a whole scene thing just like crying and like oh I'm so sorry to me and and hugged me and like I said I I hate my stepfather and he's a real tool and a piece of shit so like while he was hugging me and crying I didn't really hug him back I just kind of like kept my uh, arms down at my side <laughs> pretty interesting um, I guess it must have been interesting to see that uh, from other people's perspective but yeah um I don't know. It, uh, yeah. To know that it basically took them three days to find her body. And, you know, knowing that her body basically was just there, laying there in the woods for like three days. You know, it just kind of irk. It kind of irks you and just kind of. I don't know. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> it's... After seven years, it's definitely gotten to a point where... I don't really know how to explain or describe grief or the feelings I have anymore about it. And sorry, I know, I just kind of, like, completely jumped. <laughs> I told basically the story of all that. And I didn't really jump all that other ways. But there's really no point in me telling or talking about, like, the family drama. <laughs> um, but basically, me and, you know, my aunts and my dad, we all basically blamed my stepfather for her death. Because he just, he's just not a very good person. And he used my mother for most of their marriage. And, like, he wouldn't work. He was extremely lazy. He would, like, jump from job to job to job. And my mom had to struggle and take on all the finances on her own, basically. You know, having to constantly work and, and pay bills and try to raise me and my little brother and on her own and like put food on the table and just and pay rent and she struggled with all of that on her own while my stepdad was just all like 
you know, hopping from job to job and quitting jobs left and right, complaining about his back hurting or his finger hurting or whatever. Like, there was a time he actually, like, quit a state job, complaining about his back hurting. And, like, oh, and then he goes back to being, like, a tree worker who trims trees and cuts trees down. Like, how does that make sense? He always kept going back to the tree cutting down service and job thing. Like, that pays nothing. That's just all out-of-pocket stuff. And it's just 50 or 100 bucks here and there. Like, whatever. How are you going to sit here and quit a state job complaining about your back hurting, but then go back and turn back into, like, under-the-table work where you're constantly having to climb trees and deal with, like, picking things up and hurting your back. I don't know. He's just pathetic. He's fucking pathetic. And he was always trying to get into those, like, make money, like, at home, like, like, you own, own your own business, like, pyramid scheme things, selling air purifiers, and he's, he's a fucking retard. <laughs> but, yeah, there would also be just, he also would just never do family things. <clears throat> Sorry. He just would never, ever do, like, family things with us. My mom would want him to, like, go to the park with us or play board games with us, card games with us. Um, anything like that, but he always instead just, like, watch TV or stay on the computer. And, like, the only times he would ever try to be more family-focused or do stuff with us was when they would separate. So, my mom and stepdad, they would separate constantly, on and off, on and off, because... They would separate, and he would promise to change, and she would take him back, and, like, he would be good for about a month, every time, just a month, doing everything that she, she wanted, and, and, you know, being better for her and us, but then always after that first month was over with, he would revert back to his old ways, and I'd, me, and her friends, and my aunts, we would always constantly tell her, like, she's never gonna change, <laughs> like, he just keeps doing this it's like a con constant cycle back and forth like just leave him like he deserved better but my mom she she wanted she wanted love and she wanted the family and you know she wanted the home she wanted that white picket fence like love a man and like a family thing ideal and he didn't really, he wasn't good good for her or us and provided that for her because he was instead using her I feel like and just a lazy piece of shit <laughs> and they pretty, I don't know I've viewed it as being manipulative toward um, gaslighting her and like emotionally and physically not physically but emotionally and mentally abusive because Whenever mom would want to get a divorce, he would always throw in her face about the vows they made because, um, well, mom was Christian and he was too, so and she would always dealt with the guilt with if it would be okay for her to get a divorce or if God would be looked down on her for it. Um, so he always, any time she brought up divorce, he would throw that in her face, like, we made a promise and vows and a covenant to God, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, we can't do that to our son because my parents divorced and it was really hard on me and I don't want to do that to our son, blah, 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 basically just all that manipulative, gaslighting, guilt tripping of things against her every time. And it really hurt her and she would also just get so physically sick from the stress of having of the finances and and having to handle it all on her own to the point where she would be like she would just literally get physically sick from the stress of it all and I just never really liked witnessing and seeing the way he treated her I really didn't she deserved so much better but you know I guess it is what it is now. Um, but so yeah, so me and my dad and my uh, my mom's family and my mom's friends, we all blamed him basically for it um, because that was some of the main reasons behind it that she uh, she did it. She, you know the, what she wrote in the letter to me. She said like to forgive her and the finances got really too much for her to handle and forgive her for being weak and it's just yeah <laughs> oh also another reason why we all kind of like blame my stepfather for this is because <laughs> the day she killed herself uh was actually also the wedding anniversary their wedding anniversary so you can't literally just sit here and not believe that he had something to do with it or was the reason, <laughs> you know? I mean, she killed herself on their wedding anniversary, like. <laughs> but he he still swears that he, it's not his fault and blah, blah, blah. It's like, whatever. Like, I hope you feel guilty and I hope. I hope he just feels guilty and it and it rots, eats him up inside and like he'll never ever find peace over it. <laughs> Sorry, I know that's kind of very cruel and not a very good thing to wish upon somebody, but I don't really care. You know, he deserves it. He doesn't deserve anything good. He's a really disgusting, pathetic, trashy, shitty person. But uh, anyways, I will go, end up going, and I'll probably just read the letter she left for me, and then end up, um, reading her very last journal entry that she wrote the day before she killed herself. Because I have those, and, um, from after when I had, I had to clean out her bedroom and everything after she passed. So, I'm just gonna pause this real quick, get that stuff, and, you know, water break. <laughs> I'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> Anyways, and we're back. So, um, or, well, not where, well, actually, yeah, where, because I did say my cat Luna's right here with me. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I defaulted to this voice. Usually, usually my voice is, like, right here. I don't know, maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> but, anyways. <laughs> That's the sounds of 
my cat hacking something up. So we'll give her a second. I don't know why she couldn't have hacked that up during the break that I took. <laughs> but anyways, so where I left off. Uh, the letter my mom left me. I finally got it and got to finish reading the whole thing like six months later after her death because one of my stepdad's friends he was able to pull this letter saved copy file off her lap her computer laptop so that was cool and yay he did something good for once <laughs> if you know and um, obviously, I will say that this is uh, all this happened before I ever even realized I was transgender and started transitioning. And uh, taking hormones, and before I changed my name. So instead of just saying my old name, which is in the letter. Uh, I'm probably just going to read it out as Val. My Valerie. I like Val. My actual new name now. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Here we go. December 29th, 2013. Dearest Valerie, I am so proud of the woman I see in front of me today. You have grown up to be a very... You know what? Fuck it. Screw it. I'll just read it how it actually is. <laughs> Dearest Vincent, I am so proud of the man I see in front of me today. You have grown up to be a very handsome, compassionate, sensitive, distinguished man. I will always support you in every decision in your life. You will always be loved deep down inside your heart by me. Whenever you get lonely or scared in life, just search your heart for God and you will find me there also. I am so sorry I was weak. I was tired of fighting the finances, my heart, disappointing loved ones around me. My last request to you is that you come to know Jesus again. Search your heart. Read your Bible. I want to see you in heaven when you pass from this world into the next. I want our spirits to connect when we are in heaven. I will be waiting for you on the other side. I have a life insurance policy through my work. You are on the policy for... Uh, a percentage. I'm not going to say the exact amount. Percentage. <laughs> you can hopefully live off that insurance policy. At least enough to decide where you are going to go. Either live with your dad or you can go live with your aunt and uncle. Uh, your brother's going to live with uh, your guys' aunt and uncle. I had a last will and testament stating I want... Uh, Aunt, your aunt and uncle to be guardians over uh, your brother. Candace knows of both the will and the life insurance policy. I asked her in a letter to help you get the money from the life insurance policy. She is good with stuff like that. She's aggressive in such matters. Since you are 21, you should be able to receive the money upon my death. Also, don't forget about all your bonds you can cash in. They're in the fireproof safe in the closet. The other blank, 
percentage of the life insurance policy is for your brother. I love you, Vincent, always. I will forever be in your heart. Well, wherever you go in life, do not be angry with me. Instead, be joyful that I am in heaven, safe in the arms of Jesus. No more tears, no more pain, no more emotional long-suffering, only joy, peace, love, eating at the banqueting table with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will save you a place at that table. Please make... Please make sure it is not empty next to me. Love, Mom. And, uh, yeah. So, that was the letter she left me. And, uh, I basically just only tried to, um, I didn't really want to say the exact percentages of policies for obvious reasons, of course. Because that's private. (laughs) And uh, I didn't really want to put out my aunt and uncle's real names out there or my little brother's real name out there so I just said aunt and uncle and my brother in place of their name and stuff (laughs) and his name but uh yeah uh that letter all I can really truly say is I uh All I can really say is (laughs) I can't really uh, give her what she wants with me coming close to God or Jesus or reading the Bible or even making it into heaven with her um, because I don't really believe in God nor do I follow Christianity and um I'm actually very biased against Christianity. (laughs) Um, And I don't really... uh, I'm, I guess, basically just angry and hate the Christian God because, um, basically... I mean, my mom basically chose this being that who even knows whether he's alive or exists, you know, over us, over me and her loved ones. And I mean, who's to say there's a God or even a heaven, you know, like, well, none of us will ever truly know that or find out until we die, you know, and it just, in all honesty... Especially within around the five year mark of losing my mother, I've begun coming to terms with realizing and trying to deal with feelings of abandonment, even though it's not really exactly abandonment. It's not like she chose to abandon me. I mean, technically she did, but like, it's not the same, you know? Uh, It's not like she just up and left. You know, it's a different kind of abandonment. One where she'll never, ever be back. I'll never, ever see her, like, ever again. But, uh... (laughs) Yeah, uh... I just feel like God took my mother away. And that my mother would rather be comforted and be in the arms of these 
spiritual beings that who even know if they're real or if they even exist. And they were chosen over me and my my brother and her family members and <sighs> and it hurts. It sucks a lot. And uh but yeah, so in all I mean not all Christians are bad. Uh it's just my personal experiences <laughs> with Christianity and the way what I had to deal with being brought up in it. But I'm not going to get into any of that stuff just yet because I will obviously do a episode on my spiritual or religious beliefs and <laughs> why I'm so biased against Christianity and why I don't want anything to do with it and just kind of like that they make me roll my eyes. But, uh, you know, people... I respect people's belief structures. They can believe in whatever they want and do whatever they want just as long as you don't try shoving or forcing your your beliefs down on other people or in my face. <laughs> like, like, I get and understand witnessing and trying to convert others as part of, like, your gospel. But, like, if you try to witness to me or try to be like, oh, let me come pray with me or here's a pamphlet, or here's a, a Bible, or like, oh, hey, Jesus has died on for our sins, and so I'm just like, if I literally tell you, sorry, no, I'm not interested, don't keep pushing. It's like, I don't want your savior. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, you can, like, fuck off with that bullshit. But anyways, uh, moving on, because like I said, I will actually literally do an episode on that stuff. <laughs> Um, the very, like I said, hold on, I'm going to pause this again so I can close my door. My cat opened it and then, like, she came back in the bedroom. Okay, so anyways, right around, um, after my mom passed, uh, I was cleaning out her room and her stuff, and I found a journal, and... There's not that many uh, things written in it, but uh, there was, uh, uh, it made me cry the first time I read it, um, but her very last journal entry, uh, it, uh, it's, it's, uh, she wrote it the day before she planned to kill herself. Um, so, alright, <laughs> here we go. Like I said, again, I, <laughs> I mean, I put those content warnings up there, like, this is some straight up dark shit. And I lived it. <laughs> so. Date. December 28th, 2013. Forgiveness. Abba, father, Please forgive me for shooting myself in the head on December 29th, 2013 at 11.30 a.m. I hope and pray at the moment your grace will be revealed and I will be in paradise with you. I want to sit at your banqueting table and walk on streets of gold. I am ready for my mansion in the sky since here on earth I struggled for everything, even to be in love. Abba, Father, I want to see you face to face and ask you so many questions, questions which have not been an answered 
here on this earth. I am ready for my new glorified body in heaven. My last earthly prayer to you, Lord, is that you watch over my boys and take care of them for me, especially Vincent. Bring them back to you, Lord. Comfort Gabe's heart and love him only how you can. Give my sister the grace. Sorry, I wanted to edit that. I didn't really want to say their names. Um, give my sister and her husband, that's not what she wrote, but basically I'm using those in place of their name, obviously, since I just told you, <laughs> but back to it. The grace, patience, trust, love, wisdom, and strength to care for Gabe as I could not. I failed him as a mother. I failed as a provider. I failed him as a spiritual leader. Lord, I give Gabe back to you. You are his father. Thank you for allowing me and uh, entrusting me those four in the mission to parent both Vincent and Gabriel. However, I can't do this alone and don't want to do it alone any, any longer. I love you, Father, and look forward to meeting you face-to-face -to -face tomorrow morning. And she uh, signed it with her name. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really make me cry as much as when I first read it or other times I would read it over and over again. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, that's basically, uh, how I found out and knew the time and the exact date and how she did it. And, uh, of course, obviously, I already knew when and how. Uh, because when I finally ended up picking out the death certificate and I read where she was found and the cause, her death certificate basically just said, Gunshot wound to the head found in the woods on a path in the woods. <laughs> and just the thought of knowing that my mom's body was just laying there, you know, for three whole days. It's not what should have ever happened to her, you know. She deserved better and more. She deserved a happy life. You know, she should have died uh, peacefully in of old age in her bed, you know. Not like that. <laughs> and in all honesty, now that I'm done talking about the, the day that happened and reading her last journal entry and her letter, uh, I'll just start going in on grief and how it's affected me and what I've had to deal with over these past seven years. Uh, still kind of continue to, but not as bad anymore. Uh, it's... I know when it first happened, I was very, very numb. 
and uh, I guess before I came to realization I was a transgender and that I was a trans woman and started taking hormones and transitioning I originally thought I was just a, a gay boy sorry I know I'm just completely going off topic I'm just explaining why uh, in her letter and um, in her journal history, she kept asking God for me to come back to him and to like I don't know forgive me f for the sexual sins or whatever but so I originally thought I was just a feminine gay boy. I uh, came out as gay. Uh, mom didn't really take it that well. Everybody else took it great. Like I have, I'm lucky to have a very loving and supportive family. My dad was really cool with it. Uh, he just wanted me happy. Um, my grandma, pretty much the same. The only person in my family who ever actually had a hard time with it was my mom. But she still loved me, and we were still really close. Um, but, yeah, so... Dealing... Reading the those things in her journal and in her letter, it kind of definitely made me feel a little guilty. Like, as if it was my fault. If only I could have just been, you know, a straight boy and just been normal. Uh, but obviously after, you know, I've been through therapy, so like I've worked through that shit. That's bullshit. That it's not my fault. <laughs> um, but, uh, those are some of the things I've felt. I've also, but anyways, yeah, so that's the backstory. Just to explain the whole crazy reasons why her letter and her journal just keeps asking me to find my way back to God. Whatever. It's never going to happen. <laughs> um, Especially since I practice witchcraft and I prefer the path and spirituality and the journey I have been going down for these last six years as a practicing witchcraft and being a witch. And I've started reading books and like Taoism and like Buddhism and stuff like that. So anyways, I'm going off topic again. That's for like another episode. I'm actually going to do episodes on my spirituality, belief structures, and religion stuff. Or whatever. I don't really like religion. It's a way of... Anyways, like I said, that's for the other episode. Um. But yeah, so... After losing mom, I... I originally... I was numb. Drinking a lot, almost every weekend. Uh... Like, literally, I was drinking every weekend. Uh, I was really numb. I I wanted to resort to, I don't know, hookups and having random sex with dudes. But, like, I couldn't really at the time either because I was just like, yeah, I'll just do it. Just why not? Whatever. Just maybe to feel something. But I really didn't or wouldn't, you know? It, it's like when it came down to it, I would be like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I would, like cut off all the time. Like, I wouldn't meet up with them. That's what I mean. Like, not, like, right in mid <laughs> of what's going on with the person. Just, like, I would just be like, never mind, I can't do this. And, like, back out and stuff. But, yeah, drunk a lot. Numb a lot. And then I started feeling things. I remember one time I was just 
overwhelmed with so much emotions and just anger and anguish. And I literally took every glass in the cupboard and in the kitchen and smashed and broke everything. Like I broke every every glass plate, every glass like cup to drink out of mug, wine glasses, anything, anything in the kitchen cupboard that I can get my hands on. That was glass. I just smashed it in the ground, just screaming and crying in anger. And it was basically just, it felt really good afterwards. I will admit that. And I will say that. Like, it felt amazing. It really felt good. Um, but that was just, just pouring out of me just so much anguish and grief and pain and um, from there on, I would, I would feel guilty a lot about, um, you know, my mom wanted me to get drinks with her on her birthday, uh, and I, I didn't want to because at, at the time I would, I had also, uh, had a breakup with a boyfriend and, um. I still cherish it though, at least yeah, after the breakup, and she she hu- she hugged me to help me, and she was like, "I'm sorry, I know you really really liked him. I'm sorry," and comforted me, and that meant a lot, you know, to have her comfort me in that way, especially knowing that she struggled, you know, coming to terms with when I came out, but uh. You know, she ended up asking me if I wanted to go out with her on her birthday, and for some reason I was just like, no, I, because I didn't really want to go out or do anything. I just want to, like, stay home and be on the computer. So I kind of feel guilty, or at least did. Still kind of do a little bit here and there now that I didn't go out with her on her birthday. I didn't, I mean, of course, at the time I didn't realize it was the very last time I would ever get to celebrate her birthday with her. She probably already obviously knew that. <laughs> but I just ended up not going out with her, you know? Um, another time I feel really bad and guilty for was before, like literally a month before she killed herself, I remember she randomly told me about this gun she stole from this dude she was seeing at the time. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just a little bit so caught up in this video game I was playing. And she didn't, I mean, she she just made it sound like it was just nothing to worry about. You know, she was just like, uh, he was just kind of bragging about it. And this is how she explained it. He was like, he was just kind of like showing it off and bragging about it. So I just kind of like took it. I didn't question it. I didn't question anything of it. All I really had to say was like, oh, that's like good for you. Like stick it to the man or whatever. Um, and then I completely forgot all about it. You know, I only remembered about it, uh, after, um, well, after she killed herself, I remember one of the questions the police asked me the night of and when if she had uh, any guns or anything like that. And I said no. And I was like, well, wait, I remember her like a month ago telling me about this gun she took from somebody. And it turned out um, that dude p- 
put out a warrant. There was a warrant out against her anyways because the dude uh, reported it that she took the gun from him. Um, so, you know, I, would, I, I, I had to deal with a lot of guilt of feeling like maybe that was her sign, you know, of her trying to, to find out and reach out to somebody to see if anybody, to test them to see if anybody would actually still loved her or cared enough to, you know, stop her. It was like her subtle plea for help and I failed her and ignored her. <laughs> and then I completely was being all caught up in my own little world and drama and being selfish and not going out with her on her birthday. Just over because of some boy who broke up with me. <laughs> like, how pathetic. And now those are just things I have to deal with and live with. You know? I don't really feel as bad and guilty about it anymore now, though. Um, I just kind of... After, especially as a therapy. Especially with the gun part. Um, therapy. I worked through that a lot. Uh, I do just feel a little disappointment that I never got to... Uh, go out with her on her birthday and I also just kind of feel disappointed that I missed her memorial uh, I didn't really get to make it to one make it to it and it, and I just feel really bad I would I would have loved to have been able to make it and and you know, and uh, the thing is, there was, she was ended up being cremated, you know, so it's not like I, I ever, there was no wake, there was no, like, open casket kind of thing, there was just no body to say goodbye to. Literally, the last I saw my mom was when she dropped me off at work the day she killed herself, and that was the last time I ever saw her, or her voice, and I... So it's just weird, you know. I, there's no body, there's no grave for me to go to. That's just. I don't really ever actually fully. I never got to have a goodbye, you know. I don't even remember whether when I got out of the car, if I told her I loved her or goodbye. When she dropped me off at work. I don't know. So, uh, for me, I guess there's literally just no closure whatsoever at all. I just, you know, she dropped me off at work. And I came home from work to her missing in a suicide note. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, grief. <laughs> I ended up, alright, I ended up. Dealing with and handling a lot of, uh, dealing with my, my own depression, suicidal ideations and tendencies, they got pretty bad, um, after mom passed away. Uh, my mom, I mean, I've dealt with depression and, uh, since I was a kid. Like, I remember being 12 years old having thoughts of suicide or, or thoughts of just like, oh, I could... Uh, jump out this my bedroom window which is like two stories high and it, it would kill me or I'd think of I could literally like there's times even in middle school I just think of 
I could literally just try to stop eating in general and just starve to death. And I would never eat at school, but obviously I couldn't, like, not do that at home. So the only times I would ever eat was, like, dinner uh, at home because you can't really as easily hide, like, trying not to eat, when, especially when you're a middle school child, you know? Be like, what, what, what would I do? Or say, like, oh, no, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, you can't have it. You have to sit down and eat dinner. But those would be, well, pretty much from middle school to high school, the only time I would ever eat was dinner at home. <laughs> you know, I never ever ate lunch or anything at school. But, uh, well, even when, oh yeah. So, I've never, I've never felt those feelings of anger or, or being mad at my mom for what she did because I can completely understand where she was coming from. I can completely understand how though how she could get down to that very low place where you just feel like you're no good for anybody and you're worthless and the world is better off without you because I've been there so many times and so so many times so I completely completely fully understand where she was coming from and how she could be pushed over that edge like that because I've been there. I have been there so, 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 so many times. Um, but, uh, yeah, but especially when I was younger, my mom, she was always the my rock, like the main rock and my, my main rock and reason why I would never kill myself or go through with it you know because uh, as long as I can remember ever since I was a kid my mom would always tell me that how how much she loved me and that I was the best thing to have ever happened to her and I could I just never ever wanted to hurt her in that way you know never wanted to do that to her and hurt her by killing myself or having her to live with that. And then only having the person who I would live for end up leaving and, and dying the same way I always thought of, you know, killing themselves. And it really fucks you up, basically. Uh... So there was a lot of times where, you know, I was, I was cutting, I was uh, trying to take a knife to my throat and slit my throat. <laughs> More than once, actually. Uh, lots of uh, tons of suicide attempts, especially over the course of five, six years of the grief on and off different times in my life. Trying to, like, drown myself in the bathtub, uh, trying to mix, like, bleach with, like, I don't know, vinegar or whatever, since I googled and read that you can create gas or whatever, uh, tried to, like, I tried taking, like, a bunch of, uh, like, three months worth of antidepressants, uh, that didn't work. Um, I don't know. All I know is I have like nine failed suicide attempts. <laughs> All within the course of just like 
seven years since I lost her. I don't know. I guess apparently either I just really suck and fail at trying to kill myself. Uh, I only fail because I don't have any access to guns or anything like that. So, like, obviously, all the ways I tried doing it is, like, these weird ways of trying to find, like, accessible ways of doing it. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, there, yeah, other than that, um, another thing of grief, uh, it was probably, like, around the se seven, eight month, about the eight month mark, nine, ten month mark of losing, it was also around the time where I was almost close to, like, a one year anniversary of her death, or at least... I think it was the anniversary. Not it wasn't the it wasn't the anniversary of her death, but like it it could have been like around that time. I remember just having like I was just so so overwhelmed by my emotions, and I oh, I was having a panic attack and just like pacing back and forth, and like just I couldn't breathe or, or anything, and just like my heart, I literally physically felt this pain in my chest and it felt like my heart like broke. Like it literally, like I believe I literally, literally experienced and literally felt my heart break, you know, from the grief and losing my mother. And it's, it's a wild experience. Cause like, I mean, my chest, it was there was a physical pain in my heart. And I could literally feel it. It's just literally, that's the best way I can describe it as it literally felt like my heart physically broke. And where do I go from there to go on about more? And this is a grief. <laughs> um, I'm going to pause this real quick. Um, so, further into grief, what has it been like over these seven years? Well, anytime I would or still see people out and about with their elderly mother, I feel envy for them. You know, like, I used to work at Panera Bread, so I'd feel jealous and envy of, like, people who would take out treat and take out their mother out to eat or whatever, you know? Uh, now I work at a grocery store <laughs> and like, or anytime I see people out helping their, their mother, you know, it's just like, I'm envious and I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm just like, I will never get to experience that. I will never get to have that. And it sucks, <laughs> you know? Uh, Mother's Day, uh, I don't like, I don't really want to hear about other people or see other people out and about with their mothers. I don't, I don't like it rubbed in my face. You know, that's not what it is. So when you work retail or like food service jobs around those holiday stuff, that's just kind of like heart wrenching. <laughs> but I don't really uh, celebrate any holidays. I don't want anything to do with any holidays whatsoever in general. I despise holidays now. 
uh, especially Christmas. <laughs> it's basically the only holidays I celebrate or even like is, would be Halloween and Thanksgiving. But other than that, no. I say no to like every other holiday. Like no, no thank you. <laughs> I don't want any part. I don't want to celebrate. I don't even want like family members or friends to even like say like Merry Christmas to me or like Happy Easter to me or like any of that stupid stuff. <laughs> it's just I don't need those reminders, you know. It's it's just especially like around the holiday years. It's the worst time of year for me. At the absolute worst. Like cuz November is my birthday. And then we have Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, it's the month of December. So in the month of December, there's my mom's birthday. And then there's Christmas. And after Christmas, there is the anniversary of my mother's death. And then after that, there is New Year's Eve. You know, it's just like from November until basically after January 2nd, I don't get a single second to breathe. It's just back to back to back. Just reminders of your motherless and your mother's gone and she's dead and you don't get to have her to have ex new experiences with and celebrate life with and and it's just and it's just you I don't get a break you know I don't get a second to breathe or a break from just reminders and and the grief you know and it just sucks because I have to deal with people just being like, "Why don't be uh, a grouch or like a bah humbug or whatever. Or like, it's people just are always just so like shocked when I say I hate Christmas. I want nothing to do with it, you know. Uh, but it's just, it is what it is, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure... It, Anybody else in my place had to go through all those reminders just constantly back to back to back to back. You would probably feel the same way. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just a very pessimistic person. And I don't see things in, I don't know, whatever that bullshit, happy-go-lucky way to look at death and grief. I don't know. What people say, oh, you know... So you got the memories that you can cherish and think about with the person. Like, okay, cool, thanks. Like, yeah, I do have the memories, but it's not the same. It's not me physically having her here to talk to or have around or hang out with or take out to the movies like we used to always do. Like, I used to always treat my mother out to the movies. I'd pay and we would go see movies and have bring in, like, food and snacks from like the dollar store or whatever and or you know like I don't always play like board games with her I don't I don't I will never have her there with me to come to for life guidance or 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 questions and, and advice and especially now that I've transitioned you know I'll never ever truly know whether she would have accepted me as her daughter now and she, she's always wanted a daughter, you know? She, she really, she really wanted me to be a girl. And she, she thought I would have been a girl. But, you know, came out, turned out I was a boy. <laughs> well, only, like, biologically and, like, whatever that biology stuff is. And 
whatever. <laughs> she got her wish, you know. She got her girl, but like, not in the normy normal way. <laughs> but so now I just never ever truly know if she would have accepted me and loved me still, you know. And it would be really, it would have been really nice to have my mom around, especially within the beginning of transitioning, you know, to have her help go clothes shopping with me and help me, you know, teach me about, like, how the bra sizes work when your boobs start developing and I don't know what boobs my size are yet. I think they're, like, an A cup. Who knows? <laughs> but anyways, this, this podcast episode is not about my boobs. <laughs> uh-huh. But, you know, like, uh, like, talking, how go because we've gone shopping together or you know, help me. Well, I don't really think I would have really needed help from her to learn makeup. It's just YouTube on there. And plus, I like more of the alternative, like, uh, punky, rocky, like, punk rock on, like, kind of, like, alternative, like, goth-style makeup. Kind of like uh, Joan Jett-style makeup, um, if anybody listens to Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, I love Joan Jett's uh, eye makeup and her makeup style and just her clothing style and her aesthetic in general. I also really like, um, if anybody has seen uh, the British show Skins uh, back when there was that character Effie. I, oh my god, I love Effie's like eye makeup. So great. Oh, and also if anybody's ever seen like Orphan Black. I love the characters, Sarah's, like, eye makeup and everything. It's just like, ah, I love just the punk rock styles and everything. I just love punk rock and, like, edgy makeup and, like, smoky eyes. But anyways, back to grief. <laughs> you know, I don't, I won't ever have her there for if I ever decide to get married or whatever. I, I don't know how I feel about marriage to begin with or if I ever will, but if I ever did, you know, it would be nice to have her there, uh, to be there, to be the grandmother for the children I adopt, uh, um, you know, I never get to actually, uh, grow up with her in my life, or take care of her when she gets older, or, you know, look out for her in her old age. She's just, I just don't get to have any new experiences, any new memories with her. I don't, you know, and those are, those are things that hurts and sucks. And now it's just kind of like, after seven years, it's just kind of like, it feels, it doesn't hurt as much. It's not as strong of a grief feeling as it is when it first happens. Uh, now it just feels kind of like, it's like I'm used to it, you know? I'm used to missing her. And I'm used to ha- miss- having her missing from my life. And I it's sad to say that. And I've always been afraid of forgetting the sound of her voice. And... And, and picturing what she looks like. And it's gotten to that point now where I don't... I can't really remember what she her voice sounds like. Uh, luckily, I can still kind of picture her sometimes. But uh, I have a bunch of family photos. I kept all her family photos and stuff. So I can look at pictures of her anytime. She was really beautiful. <laughs> but 
yeah, it's gotten to the point where I don't remember the sound of her voice, and that really sucks. Uh, but it also just feels very, like, very hollow, you know, like, I lost a part of me, a lot of piece of myself, and there's a hollowness in me now that can never, ever, ever be refilled, and it's just, I guess I just gotta live like that, I just gotta live with that, and fucking sucks, you know, it, it just truly, truly sucks, and I don't, I don't really know what to, like, do with a life, uh, like a motherless life, you know, it's just like, this is a life, and I'm motherless, and it just sucks. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I will, I'll think about it and wonder, like, that somehow this is not the right timeline or reality that I'm living in. Like, somehow the timelines or the realities must have, like, crossed cross-wired or somehow or like intertwined and somehow I I tra traversed over into another reality or a timeline where my mom is missing from my life and it, and I and it sucks <laughs> and I want to go back to the reality and the timeline where she's alive you know I don't like this this timeline I don't like this one at all uh But who knows? I guess nobody really truly knows, you know. Getting into that whole string theory and multiverse theory and quantum physics and quantum mechanics and quantum computing, that's like definitely something that we cannot get into or discuss today or on this episode. It's definitely uh, another episode in the future. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not that smart to actually be able to discuss those things. <laughs> I, I I listen to podcasts about them. I watch YouTube videos about them. And I listen to TED Talks about them. Uh, I also listen to a lot of TED Talks about like CRISPR. I love, oh my god, I, I truly believe CRISPR Cast9 and like gene manipulation, gene editing is going to be the our future and it, it's so fascinating. But anyways, I, I try not to digress. I, I gotta stay focused. I don't know. Just, yeah. I guess that's probably going to be the end of this episode. I pretty much just burned myself out. I've said and discussed as much as I could about grief and my experiences uh, with losing a loved one to suicide and what it's like afterwards. <laughs> You know, especially as somebody who's uh, seven years in now, here, um, you know, here's my experience with that. But, uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening to this. And um, I will 
end this podcast episode. It's the first one, and uh, I have a bunch of other topics and other episode ideas that I already have written down and thought out that I will work on when I have another moment to do this. Hopefully, I'm not going to try to pull any more like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. recordings and editing things like I'm doing tonight. (laughs) I I think I'm just too excited about starting this. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, you can, uh, just some plugins if uh, anybody wants to leave comments or uh, feedback or just write me in or, you know, uh, reach out to me or share your own experiences or, you know what I mean? Who knows? Maybe someday, maybe if we can continue something like this, make it a little bit of a thing where I'll have guests and you guys can also share your experiences um, if you want, but, uh, with losing a loved one or your own personal struggle with depression and suicide, but, uh, yeah, you can uh, reach me at where, whatever this fuckery is podcast at gmail.com, uh, would be spelled W H A T E V E. R T H I S F C K E R Y P O D C A S T at Gmail dot com. So again, uh yeah. Uh any feedback, any comments, any uh reviews or just anything you guys want to say to me or whatever. Um or just reach out to me if you ever want to be a guest or like have any thoughts or or ideas of what you'd want to talk about or discuss and I will gladly happily have guests um on here for especially in the future down the line where after I already blow through the episode ideas I already have planned out <laughs> uh you know so I the email isn't actually uh, address isn't spelled exactly the same as the name of this podcast, only because, uh, I guess you can't have, uh, asterisks in an email address, and you can't also have a swear word in it. <laughs> so, I just did F-C-K-E-R-Y instead of the, uh, asterisks. Spell it. Wait, how did I even spell? I probably ended up calling this with a U, did I? I don't even know. I don't even remember what I titled this show. Um, but yeah, basically, yeah. So you can reach me at that the uh, podcast email address. Again, whatever this is, fuckery podcast at gmail dot com. The fuckery would be spelled F C K E R Y. <laughs> But, um, there's also Twitter, which is, uh, I don't, really, I don't even remember what the, I made the handle of. I had to make it a different handle. I think I made that handle, like, so you can reach me, this podcast, at this podcast Twitter, new Twitter page I just made, so there's not much anything going on there, but it's, uh, what, e, what even fuckery is I, I don't know something like that 
uh, I can't remember the thing. Whatever. Uh, on the on the YouTube channel thing, there's a link on here. <laughs> uh, if you, anybody watches this on the YouTube, I'll obviously on other the platforms I'll link these things to it. And I also have a Twitch, so if anybody likes uh, watching uh, video game streamers, and um, I have a Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Dampier, which would be spelled S-O-U-L-L-E-S-S-D-H-A-M-P-I-R. And uh, I mostly mainly play horror video games, because that's what I love is horror. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that is it. And thank you for listening very much. And have a good night, day, and morning.